Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And while you're going there, let's do a little bit of review. We've been growing and learning about the power of our tongue, and we've been calling this series, if you go online and listen to it, Declare a Thing. And I believe this is probably the last sermon in this series, certainly not the last time we'll talk about this subject, because this subject comes up regularly. Um, but then again, I, I thought last week was going to be the last one, you know, and then I came and realized we weren't done, so maybe we won't be done, all right? But right now, that's what I'm thinking, and um, we'll see what the Lord has in store for us. But let's, before I review, I'd like to have input from you. What have you learned through this series, or what have, maybe you didn't learn anything new, maybe you were just stirred up in things you already knew. What have you been stirred up in or impacted in as we've gone through this series? Just shout them out. Being careful with your words. All the time. And I'm going to repeat what you say so that our friends that are listening by internet, they can hear what you said. Declaring life into our situations based on the Word of God and being bold about doing it. Now don't say longer things than that because I won't be able to repeat it all. <laughs> Believing what we say will come to pass. Death and life are in the power of our tongue. That's right straight out of Proverbs. Okay. <laughs> Setting the course of every day with our tongue. You know, that's one of the things I really was stirred in was being much more deliberate in the things that I am saying how things should be. How I want things to go. One more. Be an imitator of God. Great. That was great timing because that leads us right into review from last week. We used Ephesians 5.1, be an imitator of God. And this is what we said when we call that sermon, talk like God. Let's talk like Him. See, He created us to be like Him. He made us in His image, in His likeness, and He created us to have dominion. And we should talk like Him. To be an imitator like Him, we should speak like He speaks. And we know that in Romans it says He calls things into existence as things that do not exist. Speaking things into being. And so our words, we know, are, they carry spiritual substance. Our words carry spiritual life, whether it be spiritual death or spiritual life. But they are spiritual, let's put it that way. Words are spiritual containers. And we base the series out of Job 22 and verse 28 where he says, you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. And light will shine on your ways. And we've been saying this every week, so let's do it again. Let's just repeat this. I will also declare a thing. And it will be established for me. So light will shine on my ways. So in being an imitator of God and using our words like He uses them, we looked at some of the things, well, what do we know about God based on His words and how He interacts with His own words? And what does He say about His words? And we saw that God's word is His bond. I mean, His integrity depends upon Him keeping His promises and keeping His word. And in Jeremiah 1.12, He said, I watch over my word to accomplish it. So He's watching over it. We see that God had faith in His words. 
When he says something, he believes it'll come to pass. Isaiah 55, 11, My word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. Now, he wouldn't say that about his words if he didn't have faith in his words. If he didn't have confidence in what I say, it'll happen. We saw that God's word is forever. In fact, Jesus said nothing, not one jot, not one tittle, not one dot, not one comma, will not be fulfilled in what Jesus said. That was what he said to his disciples, that it will all come to pass. Well, in Psalms 119, verse 89, he says, Lord, your word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. There's no expiration date on his word. We see in Hebrews 4.12 that His Word is alive. The Word of God is living and effective. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Now check this out. This is what the Word of God will do because it's alive. It says penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit. Dividing soul and spirit. That's amazing. That the Word of God has the ability to divide that. And He goes further and He says like joints and marrow. Well, those are pretty closely knit together, aren't they? Joints, marrow. And then he says it's able to judge the Word of God. The living Word of God is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. One of the things that we need to um, continually keep ourselves aware of is that we are spirit beings, first and foremost. That is who we are. We are spirit beings. This flesh and bone body that you see standing here, that is sitting in your chair, that's just a temporary condition. Just a temporary earth suit that allows you to walk around on the planet and interact with other human beings. But as soon as that suit stops functioning and it falls down on the floor, you don't stop existing. You still exist, right? And at your funeral, people will not say, well, here lies so-and-so. They'll say, so-and-so is with the Lord and here's his worn-out body. Right? So we have an awareness that we are spirit beings, first and foremost. You are a spirit. And as, as a living spirit, we also have an eternal soul. See, spirit, soul, body. And your soul is your, your mind, your will, your emotions, it's your personality. That's what your soul is. And then you have this temporary body that we've already been talking about. And, and I'll just say this because I'm, I'm here and we're talking about this right now. And some of you are probably, prob- maybe this is the first time you're hearing this sort of thing and it'll help you understand, is that the voice of your spirit, that's your inner sense. That's your conscience, right? That's your, um, it's your spirit man. And some people would um, refer to their spirit if they're unaware of how to express it, they might say, I just had this gut feeling. Or my intuition said. Yeah, that's, you're tapping into your spirit person on the inside. That's the voice of your spirit. The voice of your soul is your mind. It's your, it's your logic. It's your thinking. It's your reasoning. That's the voice of your soul. And then the voice of your flesh is, well, the five senses. Taste, touch, smell, sight, hearing. That's the voice of your flesh. And the trouble is, man, I'm so far off of my subject right now, but I'm not because the Lord's wanting someone to hear this. The trouble, the reason some people say, well, I can't hear the Lord talking to me is because you're trying to hear in the wrong place. You're in the flesh trying to hear the Lord or in your soul trying to hear the Lord and that's not where He communicates with us. He doesn't communicate with your flesh or your soul. He communicates with your spirit person. 
And that's where He speaks to us and reveals things to us and shows things to us. So, so pay attention to that on the inside. And then we saw that the Father, also still in review, holds His Word in the highest regard. So much so that He said, he magnify, you magnify your Word above all your name. Well, the name of Jesus, and we're going to talk about that later tonight, is, is extremely powerful and important. But His Word, His Word is what gives Him His name. And so the Word is important. Did you find 1 Timothy 6? 1 Timothy 6, and we'll begin in verse 12. And let's talk about how to win a fight. How to win a spiritual fight. One of the things, well, let's just read and then we'll, we'll get into dissecting it a little bit further. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, it says, Fight the good fight. Everyone say, fight. fight. Let's say it again. Fight. fight. Well, you guys sound feisty. Fight. What? The good fight implies there's also a bad fight. There's a fight you don't want to be tangled up in. So there's a good fight, but it's a fight. Fights don't get won by resting and sitting on the couch. Fights take effort. One of the things that is shocking to most people that have not been in a physical fight is how exhausting it is. If you go full out in a full-on fight in 60 seconds, you are like exhausted. And if you're not used to fighting and if you haven't been trained, typically people will hold their breath. Well, that's bad for longevity, right? You need oxygen. So they'll hold their breath and they will tense up and become really rigid and tense, which requires more oxygen. Now that your muscles are all tense, they need more oxygen, but they're not breathing. And so then they begin to move around and, and, and fight, and the next thing they know is they're just gasping for air, and they're completely worn out, and the fight has just begun. And if a trained person is fighting against them who's relaxed and is breathing, all they have to do is move around a little bit, and that person will wear themselves out and, and defeat themselves. So when we fight, my point is, not, this is, we're not in a physical fight, right? We don't fight against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, against spiritual forces in high places. But we've been given the tools to fight against them. And one of those tools is our mouth, our confession. This is how we fight. And we'll fight with the name of Jesus. We fight with the authority that we've been given. But fight we must. Just like if you get into a physical fight, you have to be deliberate about what you're doing. And if you're a trained fighter, you will observe your opponent and you'll look at their footwork to see how they're lined up and what they know. And you'll position yourself so that you can take advantage of their weaknesses. Well, in spiritual fights, it's no different. We, ha we have to know where's our strength and where's their weakness. And our strength is in the Lord. And in the, in the methods and in the tools that He has given to us to fight. We can't expect, well, I'm not going to use the tools He's given me, but I still want to win the fight. Well, you're dreaming. We have to be deliberate in using what He has given to us to be victorious. Now, the key here is Jesus has already established the victory for us. He's won the victory, but that doesn't mean that you experience that victory without a fight. It's already there for you, but you must 
lay hold of it. You must fight for it. You must put forth effort to attain it. Or let's say it a different way, as His ambassador in the earth, you enforce what He already won. Let's, let's read a little further because we stopped early. Fight the good fight of faith. It takes faith. Faith is deliberate. Faith believes something. All right? Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. You know, there's that saying, let go and let God. I don't much care for it. I suppose there's a few places that it would be, it would be an appropriate comment. But most of the time, things are not let go and let God. They're lay hold. Put forth the effort and fight for it in faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called, about which you have made a good confession. That's, that's words. Good confession. In the presence of many witnesses. Now check out verse 13. In the presence of God, so God was witnessing this, He was watching this, who gives life to all and of Christ Jesus. Now Jesus is our example here. Who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate. Jesus, who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate. Well, what did Jesus say to Pilate? And if, if you don't have to turn there, I'll just read a scripture to you in John 18. Um, Pilate is asking Jesus some questions, and then he makes the statement. Pilate says, you are a king then. He kind of says it as a statement. And Jesus says, you say that I'm a king. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this. Now he's going to say what the this is. Here's why I've come. To testify, that's words. Testify to the truth. I came for this purpose to testify to the truth. To speak the truth. And then he says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. See, here's the thing. The way that you entered into the kingdom of God is the exact same way that you will operate in the kingdom of God. What I mean is this. You entered by faith. You had to believe in your heart that Jesus existed and that He's a real person and that He was raised from the dead. You had to believe that in your heart. And then you had to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And then in Romans it says you will be saved. That's how you enter into the kingdom is by faith and by confession. And that is the exact same way that we work in the kingdom, that we operate in the kingdom, is by faith and by confession, the things that we say. This is the number one way that we operate our work, our function in the kingdom of God. Remember Mark eleven twenty three, how he said, if Jesus said about the fig tree that had been withered, that whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says, he will have whatever he says. He's telling them how to function in the kingdom, how to work in the kingdom. Believe it and say it. I'll say it a different way. Believe it, say it, and then take corresponding action. Take action. If you pray for rain and you don't carry an umbrella, you're not in faith. Unless you like to walk in the rain. I mean, that could be, right? It's like the two farmers that there was a drought. They got together and they prayed and they asked the Lord for rain. And the one guy went home and watched TV and the other guy, he went and plowed his field. Because he's expecting rain. One person's in faith and the other's not. So you, you believe it 
you say it, and then you take corresponding action. Now, you have to hear this part clearly. Sometimes corresponding action is do nothing. Sometimes it's rest. Sometimes it's wait. That is an action. Right? That's a, a choice you make. This is what I believe the Lord's telling me. I wait. I've said it. I believe it. Now I wait. This is my action. It's not... But don't... don't um, how would I say it this way? There shouldn't be just a default action. It needs to be in faith. And what you believe the Lord is leading you to do. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 4, you see... Um, where Paul was talking about the persecutions and the rough time they were having and everything that was happening. And he made this statement in 4.13 of 2 Corinthians. He said, since we have the same spirit of faith. Did you know faith is a spirit? Okay, so we fight in faith with our words. He said, we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written. So he's referring to Psalms 116 verse 10. And he quotes it. He says, just like those guys that wrote that and like they said, and this is what they said, he quotes it, I believed, therefore I spoke. Now he goes on and talking about himself, he says, we also believe and therefore speak. He didn't say, we believe and therefore rest. We believe and therefore think on the goodness of God. We believe and therefore pray for the Lord to deliver us. No, didn't say any of those things. He said, we believe... So we say some things. Say some things. What, what does he say? He goes on in verse 14. He says, We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. In verse 16, Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person, he's talking about his flesh and bone body, is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. He is laying his words out in front of him and he's saying, This is how it's happening. They're trying to destroy us every day, but that's only our outer person. Our inner person is being renewed and strengthened, and we're full of strength. He goes on, he goes, our momentary light affliction. That always strikes me funny. The best the devil can give to him, all this persecution, and he's calling it momentary light affliction. Ha! That's nothing. Is producing for us an absolutely incomparable weight of glory, so we do not focus on what is seen but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. It's just flesh and bone. But what is unseen is eternal. That's where their focus is. That's what they're speaking to. Your words are, are spirit. Jesus said your, His words were spirit and life. Well, our words can be spirit and death too. Right? So let's make sure that as we fight, I'll say it again, what I said a little bit ago, that the way you entered into the kingdom of God by your faith confession is also the way that we operate in the kingdom of God. Let's say this together. The Word of God, Word of God is forever settled in heaven. He watches over His Word to accomplish it. His Word is in my mouth and in my heart and I proclaim His Word upon this earth. In Revelations 12, so we're talking about Fighting and fighting to win, but doing so in faith. In Revelations 12, in verse 11, many of you could quote the Scripture. I'm going to read it to you in the Good News Bible translation, so it might sound a little bit differently than you've heard it. It says, They won the victory over Him, talking about the enemy, the devil. They won the victory over Him by the blood of the Lamb, and, there's an and there, 
and by the truth which they proclaimed, the word of their testimony. They won the battle because the blood of the Lamb, which Jesus already had won for them. That's already established. That, with their, coupled with their words, is how they won. The blood of Jesus is not enough if it's not in your mouth. It's by our confession. By our confession. Now the blood of Jesus is more than enough if you'll just believe and confess. There's no sin that the blood of Jesus won't redeem you from, right? If you believe. Let's say this. I'm an overcomer. And I overcome the evil one by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I do not fear death because death has no place in me. Now, does that mean that physical death won't touch you? No, that's not what he's saying. We know that physical death is common to man. But we also know that what we talked about earlier, that's not the end of you. If you are a believer and Jesus is the Lord of your life, oh, you very much exist. And you don't experience that second, that spiritual death that we've been delivered from. Let's go over to Psalms chapter 8. And Psalms 8 and verse 1. <clears throat> Lord, our Lord. This is a Psalm of David. He says, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name in all the earth. How magnificent is your name throughout all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. You've set your glory. God has glory. And He set it above the heavens. In verse 2, From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established strength. Or the translation I'm reading says a stronghold. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies. So if an infant and a nursing baby can do this, can a logical thinking adult do it as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, from the mouth of even babies, you have established strength on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. Well, we know that the devil, he is the enemy. He and his angels are, are the avengers, the enemy. And let's look at how, just stay there and I'll read to you out of Matthew 21. Jesus quoted this verse. But he changed it a little bit from saying strength or stronghold. He changed it to praise. But he's quoting this. He says what happened was, it says the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonders that he did and the children shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the Son of David! They were indignant, said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? Jesus replied, yes. Have you never read? You have prepared praise from the mouths of infants and nursing babies. So he changed it to praise from strength or stronghold. But that's because when you praise, there is strength. And you establish a godly stronghold right there in that moment. If you ever feel like, man, I need a stronghold built around me right now, just start praising. We don't have to look any further than Paul and Silas in the book of Acts. They're in prison, feet in stocks, beaten, middle of the night, and they're praising the Lord. And what happens? 
earthquake. Precision earthquake. Because the doors all fly open and their chains fly off, but the walls stay standing. I don't know. It's amazing. But it's some kind of earthquake because it was a spiritual thing. And a church was planted and grew out of that. But they praised the Lord and a stronghold, boom, established right there on the spot. And look at, at the fruit that came out of that. Well, it's the same way for you and I. From the mouths of infants, back in, in Psalms 8 and verse 2, from the mouths of infants and nursing babies, or someone say, from my mouth, from my mouth. I can establish strength. Can establish. And the good news is, is, by it, it silences the enemy. Now, a, a way that the enemy likes to talk to you and I is through fear and worry, right? That's how the enemy wants to talk to us. And when fear and worry comes and it's keeping you up at night, hey, just climb out of the valley of, of fear and walk up on the mountain of praise and get that stronghold established and it'll shut him up. It'll silence the enemy when you praise the Lord. Because he can't stand that. It's, it's fingernails on a chalkboard to him. Right? He hates the sound of praise to God. And so if you're being harassed, if you're having nightmares, if anything of the sort, praise the Lord and shut Him up. James 4.7 says this, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, fight against the devil, and he will run from you. It doesn't say from God. Now we know that it is from God because you're in God's authority. It's God's authority He's running from, but you're the one who's wearing it. And you wear it by submitting to Him. See, the, the one we submit to is the one whose authority we are under. See, if you're in the military and if you're in the Air Force and, and you're submitted to the chain of command in the Air Force, you don't have the authority the Army has to do Army things. Right? You have the authority to do Air Force things. Because that's who you're submitted to. And it's the same way here. When we submit to God, we have His authority to do God things. His things. Kingdom things. And, let's just say it this way, how, how does one submit to God? Well, one of the most obvious ways is to worship Him. To praise Him. To thank Him. To lift up hands and, and praise the Lord. Say, Lord, I thank You for being good to me. I thank You, Lord. You know, lifted hands is a sign of surrender. It's a sign of rejoicing. It's a sign of honor. I mean, you think of a sports game. What happens when a touchdown or a home run happens? Everyone's like, yeah! Oh, it's funny how fast their hands shot right up. Why? Because they're rejoicing. So when you praise the Lord, we do the same thing. Not because your flesh is feeling it. Because generally that's why at the sports game, you know, the flesh is all excited about these things. But it's coming from the real person on the inside, the spirit man. And we raise our hands. Here, how about another thing? If someone comes and, and there's two armies going at each other and suddenly one overcomes the other, what do the guys that just got conquered do? Arms up. Well, that's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of submission. Submit to God, right? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Well, one of the ways that we submit to him is by praising him, by exalting him, and, and telling him what we're grateful for and reminding ourselves of what He's done for us. Alright, let's continue on here in verse uh, 3 of, of Psalms 8. When I observe 
When I observe your heavens. Now this means he's looking deliberately. It's not a casual glance and, yeah, there was some stars up there. No, he's, he's intently looking. He's observing. He's seeing what he can see. He is on purpose looking for the glory of God. When I observe your heavens, and I've found that in my own life, when I intently look to observe the glory of God of what He's done in my past life, I see all kinds of things. Right? And one good thing the Lord has done for you reminds you of, of another good thing. And you just continue following, pulling that thread. You ever start pulling the thread out of your sleeve and it's just the sleeve starts to unravel? Well, that's how that is. You start pulling on the praise string and pretty soon you just have all more praise. You'll need someone to come help you praise. Like the psalmist said, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt Him together. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him. Now this word um, human being or mortal man, it really, it, it's talking about fallen man. It's a weakened condition man. What is weakened condition man that you remember him? What's the son of Adam is the next line. That's a literal translation. Man, it's the word Adam. What's the son of Adam that you look after him? After all that man has done, after all the failures, after all the, the failure in the Garden of Eden from there on, who's man that you would even remember him? You know, and the psalmist is amazed at this. And then he goes on, he says, you made him a little less than God. Now, maybe the King James, some older translation might say angels, but it's the word Elohim, it's the word God. You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the sea. It's talking about man was created to have dominion. Man was created to have dominion. Man was made in the image of God, after the likeness of God, higher than the angels, but less than God. That's how man was designed and created, and to have dominion. Well, an interesting thing here is... In Hebrews chapter 2, I'll read to you, this scripture is quoted out of he, in Hebrews 2. Not, I, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews was. Some think it was Paul. Some think it was um, Silas. Others think it was Mark. And, and so I don't know. When we get to heaven, we'll get that settled. But at any rate, it's, it's a good book. And in Hebrews 2, it says this in verse 6. He says, But someone somewhere has testified, and then he begins to quote what we just read. What is man that you remember him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him lower than the angels, not God, angels, for a short time. You crowned him with glory and honor. Now, here it's you made him lower than God, a little less than God. But in Hebrews, when that writer wrote it down, he changed it to the word angels. In the Hebrew, it's the word God. In the Greek, it's the word angels. Now, how come they would change the scripture like that? See, in the Garden of Eden, God created man in that original state was little less than God, but higher than the angels. As soon as they submitted to the devil and ate of the fruit, it put them under the angels because the devil's a fallen angel. So it placed them under. So now they're less than angels. That's not wasn't the original state, but now less than angels. So if we go on reading, it says, but we do see Jesus made lower than the angels for a short time. See, He had to come into that degraded state to rescue us. 
to redeem us, and for a short time, so that by God's grace, He might taste death for everyone, crowned with glory and honor because He suffered death. So we see here that Jesus, for a short time, was also a little less than the angels, but now He is far above. Far above. Now back to Psalms 8 in verse 9. Lord, our Lord, and he repeats verse 1 of Psalms 8. Verse 1 and verse 9 are kind of the same. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name in all the earth. So we haven't digressed. We're still talking about fighting to win, fighting with our words in faith, using the tools that God gave us to fight and win. And right here, he begins to talk about the name, the magnificent name of the Lord, the name of Jesus in all the earth. In fact, in Hebrews 1, I was reading in Hebrews 2 a little bit ago, but in Hebrews 1, in verses 3 and 4, listen to this. It's talking about Jesus. It says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His powerful Word, After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus, by the powerful word, sustains all things, and it is by the name of Jesus. Look at Philippians 2, verses 7 through 10. It says, instead, talking of Jesus, he emptied himself emptied himself of his God, Godship. He came to the earth as man, and we say, well, he was fully God, he was fully man. That's true, but he didn't walk the earth as God. He walked the earth as the Son of Man. He, he emptied himself. He laid aside the, the Godship and came and walked in faith, walked as a man. It says he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man... He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Three realms. Heaven, earth, under the earth. Three realms. Every knee will bow. And I, for one, am very grateful to be doing that here on the earth rather than waiting until under the earth, right? That's, that's not the place you want to find that out, that, uh, His Lordship, and that the name of Jesus is above every name. So let's go over to Mark chapter 11, 11, 23, and let's talk, let's look at using the name of Jesus. So we use our words, we use them in faith, we're deliberate with them, we are imitators of God with our words, we speak His Word into situations, but we've been given a name that brings all heaven and earth to bear at that name of Jesus. And sometimes we use the name of, well, no, we don't in this house, but I've seen and observed people do this, and I've watched even children do this. Maybe they're playing a game, and they go, well, I'm going to do this in the name of Jesus, and they're trying to use it as a magic phrase on the end of something that they want to happen, right? It's not doing it on behalf of God, because that's what in the name of Jesus means. It means I'm doing this in His authority, in His name. 
And when we say, I pray in the name of Jesus, or when we declare something in the name of Jesus, we're talking about lineage and family and, and whose we are and whose authority we're walking in and standing in. It's not just a phrase we like the ending of a prayer. Right? So in Mark 11, so what I want to look at here is as we are winding up to close, we still have a number of Scriptures to go, so I'll go faster. What, what I want to look at is using the name of Jesus as a command of faith versus using the name of Jesus when we pray to the Father in faith. See, so we use the name in faith when we pray, but we also use the name as a command of faith. And so in Mark 11, verse 23, the, I've already quoted it to you, but if you have your Bible with you. It's good to find these Scriptures in your own Bible so that you know where to find them later when you need them. <clears throat> Fig tree had been cursed. They walked past it again. Here it's all withered up. Peter is surprised. He mentions it. Jesus says in verse 22, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. Have God's faith. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain... Now, if anyone, that, that's, that's a pretty general statement. And if they say this, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, there's a key, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him according to what he says. It will be done according to what he says. Who said this? Jesus. Is Jesus a liar? Did he say, if you disciples say this? No. He said anyone. Do you qualify as an anyone? Yes. Look at your neighbor and say, hi, anyone. I'm anyone. Notice that if we would have just read more of the Scriptures, if we backed up, Jesus spoke to the tree. Back when he went to the fig tree and find something on it, in verse 14, he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. He spoke directly to the tree. He did not pray to the Father and say, Father, I lift this forlorn tree up to you in my name. He didn't do any of that. He just said, no one eat from you again. Spoke directly to the issue. Directly to the issue. See, there's a time to pray. And there's a time to say. A time to pray and a time to talk. To speak some things. To declare some things. Go over to John chapter 16. I'll show you a scripture in John 16 and then in John 14 that will kind of look like a contradiction, but it's not when you understand that one is a saying, the other is a praying. In John 16 and verse 23, Jesus speaks to His disciples and he says, in that day you will not ask me anything truly. I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is praying in the name of Jesus and praying in faith. Ask the Father in my name. Anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. He will give you. The Father will do it. He will give you. Alright, go over to John 14. And look at verse 13. 13 and 14. Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He says, whatever you ask in My name, I will do it. Not the Father. He will do it. I will do it. 
Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, that's what he said in John 16, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. But now he's saying, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Here's why. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This isn't a contradiction. Let's read what came right before these verses. Let's go back up to verse 12. Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. He will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name. Here's the thing. This word ask is, can be translated a number of different ways. And this is what the word ask in this case here means. It means to ask for with urgency even to the point of demanding. The Strong's definition of this word means to ask, to require, to demand. Now, demand of God? No. Demand of situations. Require of situations. You're not commanding God to do something. You're commanding a situation to do something. This is how Jesus operated regularly, isn't it? How about the nobleman's son? What did he say? Go and he will live. He didn't pray. Go and he will live. Or Jairus' daughter. She's dead. He says, wake up. She wakes up. Or Peter's mother-in-law. He rebuked the fever. Spoke to the fever. Right? The crippled man. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Or the leper. He said, be clean. Or to the deaf. He said, be opened. Or to the blind. He said, look up. To the woman with the spirit of infirmity. He said, be loosed. To the man with the withered hand. He said, stretch out your hand. To the stormy sea, he said, peace, be still. To dead Lazarus, come out. <laughs> Go over to Acts chapter 3. The difference between praying in the name of Jesus to the Father and asking Him to do something is, is right there in those two verses, or requiring a situation to change, requiring blind eyes to open in the name of Jesus. So when you speak the name of Jesus and you demand a situation to change, it is Jesus that touches that person right there. You are requiring. We could read those scriptures. I went away maybe just a little bit too fast. In John, I'll read, I'll read them. But I'll change the word ask to require. Whatever you require in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you require anything in my name, I will do it. Say that phrase, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now watch what happens here in Acts 3. In Acts 3, let's start in verse 1. Now, Peter, now, this is after the resurrection of Jesus. It's after Pentecost. Jesus ascends into heaven. The Holy Spirit is poured out. The church is birthed in chapter 2. And now in chapter 3, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. 
But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Notice Peter didn't turn and start praying. Father, I'm asking you to touch this man right here, right now. In the name of Jesus. No, he required of the situation in the name of Jesus. Required of the situation. He wasn't demanding God to do something. He was demanding of the situation something to take place. He wasn't begging God for something. Did you know believers are not beggars? Believers are not beggars. There's a time to say and there's a time to pray. But remember I said earlier, the way that we fight and win is we believe it, we say it, and then we have corresponding action. Look at verse 7 and what he does next. This is his corresponding action. Then, taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. And at once, his feet and ankles became strong. Now, I think there was a gift of the Spirit in operation. Um, Maybe a gift of miracles or a gift of healing. Um, Maybe a gift of faith started it all. I don't know. But I know that the Lord was in the moment very strongly. And that as he used the name of Jesus, that God is going to be glorified in the Son. We'll see that in just a little bit. So he jumped up and started to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened. Now remember what I said, is the way you enter into the kingdom of God is the same way that you operate in the kingdom, is with your words in faith. Peter here used the name of Jesus. And, and I'll, I'll say this before I read verse 12. Using the name of Jesus as a command of faith is the number one way to exercise authority in the earth. Using Jesus... As a command of faith, using the name of Jesus as a command of faith is the number one way to exercise authority in the earth. It is such a powerful name that if you don't have the right to use it, it'll still get the enemy's attention. You remember the story in Acts about those guys that the sons of Sceva that tried to cast the devil out of this guy and they weren't believers and they used the name of Jesus and that devil spoke up in that guy and was like, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but who are you? And then beats them up and whips their clothes off of them and they run naked down the street. That's not how you want to find out about the power of the name of Jesus. All right? But my point is, it's such a powerful name that even an unbeliever using it, the devils responded to it. And it got their attention. Here, Look here in verse 12. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people. Fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we made him walk by our own power or godliness? See, it wasn't because Peter was a disciple. It wasn't because of some power he had. It wasn't because of his own godliness that this happened. It was because of the name of Jesus that he used in faith. He opened his mouth and he exercised this authority. And then verse 13 says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified His servant Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus said? You'll do greater things than these. Anything you require in My name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And that's, He's repeating that right here. Exactly what He said would happen. Go over to Acts chapter 9. 
We're talking about using the name of Jesus as a command of faith. Acts 9 and look at verse 32. Again, Peter here. As Peter was traveling from place to place, he also came down to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Probably by about year eight, you're thinking this is going to be my lot in life. Right? I mean, it doesn't seem like you're getting better. You've been this way for eight years. You're paralyzed. You're bedridden. You're stuck in bed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. So all who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now let's go back to Psalms chapter 8. Using the name as a command of authority. When you open your mouth and you speak and you believe and you use the name of Jesus, this is how you win. This is how you command things to break off of you. This is how you tell your body to get in line when it needs a healing. This is how you speak to oppression and depression in the name of Jesus. You command it to leave you alone. When things come against you, if you're having nightmares, you use the name of Jesus knowing that every devil in hell has to pay attention to that name. And you don't, you don't back off of that authority you've been given. And then, after you do that, you just go ahead and praise Him. Thank You, Lord, for Your deliverance. Thank You for the authority that You gave to me personally. Thank You, Lord, that You have dominion over every spirit and devil in hell that would torment us. Thank You, Father, that You've set us free from oppression. Right? And you just praise Him. You thank Him. And, and what is here in Psalms 8 is true. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is Your name in all the earth. You have set Your glory above the heavens. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies and even me, You have established strength on account of Your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is Your name. Let's say that. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is Your name. I'll invite the worship team to come. And you turn with me. If you're not uh, on the team that stands on the platform, you can turn with me to Psalms 149. You're all part of the worship team. You understand that. We just stand in different places. Psalms 149. A powerful psalm talking about praise. And as we use the name of Jesus, the authority that we have, we're submitted to Him. We're using our words in faith. Verse 1, Hallelujah. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the faithful. Assembly is church, gathering. Sing His praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel celebrate its Maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their King. Let them praise His name. We praise the name of Jesus. We praise the name of Jehovah. Let them praise His name with dancing. Did you know you can praise His name by dancing? By jumping up and down. You might look like a snake having a seizure. That's okay. It's not for each other. It's not to impress other people. It's because I'm in love with Him. I'm dancing for Him. 
Let them praise His name with dancing and make music to Him with tambourine and lyre. A lyre was a, a stringed instrument. Maybe similar to a guitar. So that He tells us to praise Him that way. And listen what He says, what He thinks about it. For the Lord takes pleasure. The Lord takes pleasure in His people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the faithful celebrate good times. Come on! Did you know you can turn secular songs into ones to the Lord? Didn't see that one coming, did you? Uh, Neither did I. Let the faithful celebrate in triumphal glory. Let them shout for joy on their beds. Now this is an interesting verse because a lot of times maybe we read that and think, okay, so as I'm drifting off to sleep or wake up in the morning, I'm like, hallelujah! Well, really, that's not what he's implying. He's implying as someone who is sick on their bed. Someone that can't get out of bed. That in spite of that, remember, praise shuts the enemy up. Praise brings Jesus to the scene. He says, let them shout for joy on their beds. Bringing a stronghold to you where you're at. Bringing strength to you where you're at. Verse 6, let the exaltation of God, the exaltation of God, be in their mouths. Be in their mouths. We are not mealy-mouthed, mumbly Christians. We speak out loud. We declare His praises. We open our mouth and sing and shout for the joy of the Lord. Maybe you say, well, yeah, but pastor, I feel like a fake because I'm not feeling those things and yet I'm lifting my hands and jumping up and down and, and am I being fake? Am I being a fraud? Well, let me ask you this. Who runs you? Your flesh or your spirit? If you're spirit-led and led by your spirit and you want to submit to the Father, then we'll do these things whether we feel like it or not. Because your flesh is not in charge of you. Well, let's say it a different way. If your flesh is in charge of you, that's not where you want to be. Right? All right? Let the exaltation of God be in their mouths, not in their thoughts. Although we will think it. You have to think it to say it. But he didn't say that. He said in their mouths. It means we're saying it. It's our confession of faith. A double-edged sword in their hands. Your praise in your mouth is a weapon in your hand. It's a double-edged sword. And what happens when you have that thing? This is what takes place. It inflicts vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people, binding their kings with chains and their dignitaries with iron shackles, carrying out the judgment decreed against them. Don't think natural kingdoms, natural people, natural kings. Think spiritual forces, spiritual hierarchies, principalities and powers, right? destroys them. Your praise in your mouth is a sword in your hand that destroys the enemy and puts them on the run. Then he says this this wonderful statement. He says this honor. How many of you want to honor the Lord? If you want to honor Him, we'll do these things. Because we have a heart to honor Him. Lord, I love you. I honor you. So I'll dance. I'll sing. I'll shout. This honor, and it's an honor to have authority. See, the name of Jesus, 
and the praise of God in your mouth is these weapons and it's an honor to have this authority. This honor is for all, all His faithful people. All. That means you. Tell your neighbor that means you. Jim, that, James, that means you. James, I don't know where Jim came in. That's close. Jim, James, Robert, Herbert. That means you. Someone say, that means me. This honor is for me. Because I'm His faithful people. Hallelujah. Now we're going to worship and praise, sing and dance and jump and shout. So if the ushers, if you would prepare that, we're going to have you just file up the middle aisle and um, go by the table and then go around the outside back to your seats and then we'll take them together when uh, everyone has some. All right, Kathleen. So worthy. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The most beautiful name. <laughs> the most beautiful name. You are so worthy. You're so worthy. We glorify you. You are a soon and coming king. You're the first, the last, the beginning, the end, the alpha, the omega. You are beautiful. You are the comforter, the darling in heaven. You are Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, you are. You're the great I am. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You're so worthy. Oh, Jesus, Jehovah, King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, yes, you are. You're so good. You're loving. You're kind. You're caring. We bless you. We give you the praise and the honor. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are majestic and mighty. You are so good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. given us life and health. Thank you for healing. Thank you for wisdom made available to us. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for understanding coming to us even right now. Understanding and wisdom as we need it. Lord, I thank you that you, you touch, you touch, you touch every person in this room right now, Lord, in the way that's unique to them and unique to you. Lord, work in us new and afresh. Work in us new and fresh. Let's say this to the Lord. Lord, I give you permission. Lord, I give you permission. To have your way in me. To have your way. I give you permission. I give you permission. To lead me. To lead me. To direct me. To direct me. To guide me. To guide. I submit to you, Lord. I submit to you. I am yours. I am, I am not my own. I'm not my Thank own. you for giving me your name. Thank you for giving me. He is my father. He is my father. And I praise his name. And I praise his name. Thank you, Lord. And I praise his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have a praise report. Since Christmas, I've been working with uh, this guy. He's my superintendent in construction. And it was interesting how every day we'd gather together, he'd come by me and say, hey, I want to share this song with you. It's a country song. I'm like, oh boy, here we go, the sad, depressing songs. And, but it would be a country song about something that had to do with God and something like that. So little by little, I, I took the opportunity. I'm like, did some research. I'm like, hey, you know, this guy's a Christian. This, are you a Christian? He's like, well, I believe in God. Anyway, with the help of the Holy Spirit and praying for him, he finally gave his life to Jesus Hallelujah. on Thursday. Thank you. Lord, 
you know, that blesses me to see you worship and praise God for that because that's part of your fruit. I belong to you. Your prayers for my life have impacted me to keep going on, right? So he gave his life to Jesus on Thursday morning. And so how it was, it was like he came to me and says, hey, I want to say something to you. Um, I talked to God. You see, he didn't know that Jesus was the way to the Father. He said, because one day he told me, look, I believe in God, just like the Muslims, the Buddhists, and the... I said, well, no. You need Jesus. God provided because you're a sinner. And his, your sins have to be washed away. So I gave him that simple explanation. And the next day, he came and he said, I, I talked to him. And after I talked to him, and I, I said Jesus to be my Lord, he said... I came on the job site, I felt like I could take over the world. <laughs> he said, I think it was my endorphins. That's right. I said, it wasn't your endorphins. But he said, but you know, Jack, I told him, I want to do something for him too. Yes. I said, you told him that? He said, yeah. Okay, so I got work to do, right? Got to feed this baby. So his name is Chad Livingston. Who's going to pray for him to receive more yes. okay yeah. Chad Livingston now Amen. if all of you have a workplace demand of the father to bring the soul to Jesus no man come unto Christ yes. except God bring him but you are sent to be participants of the birth right so we want to hear more testimonies of how you're evangelizing your co-workers you're super and believing, Amen. asking the angels of salvation Amen. and revival to come to your uh, workplace. Yes. Increase. So yes. we want to hear more testimonies. Amen? Yes. Amen. Thank you, Jacob. Amen. You're good. I don't know, I guess we can close, but somehow that doesn't seem quite right. Mm. Lord, I ask you, I ask you, Father, for an urgency upon each one of us about the time and season that we live in, that you would re help us to see it, to grasp it, to know it. And Father, I ask you for boldness on each one of us to be that evangelist, to be the fishers of men that you've created us to be, to be looking for the one that's ready, to be, to be bold and touching out, to reaching out and extending your love to those around us. Father, I thank you for the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I just declare right now over all of you a freedom in the name of Jesus. 
Anything that has been coming against you and oppressing you and afflicting you or, or as, a, as a, an attack against you, I, I stop it in the name of Jesus. And I loose upon you the Spirit of the Lord, the peace of God upon you, and understanding and wisdom on how to walk in it in fullness, in joy, in the expression of His love. I thank you, Father, that you have given us the Spirit of freedom. Thank you for the spirit of life, the spirit to speak to our situations. Yes. Lord, we're going to speak. We're going to yes. declare your goodness around us. We will speak to the darkness and bring light and light everywhere that we go. Someone say, I am salt and I am light. He has made me so. Sid mentioned salt and light my heart started beating because I knew I had a testimony I had a testimony I was up here two weeks ago um, here and I got prayed for for fear to fear to go fear of man to go last Friday oh, I was at home just worshiping the Lord 
and this power came on me this power it was so powerful it like beat the love of God beat the fear of man right out of me like every cell in my body is in submission right now like I just felt this love I'm like drunk like for real like I mean joy unspeakable I'm like I'm not afraid anymore and all this stuff just come flowing into me like prophecy and scripture and sermons and I'm like God what do I do with all this what do I do with this Lord he said and I heard it clear as day feed my sheep and I'm just like praise God because you know I've been in a wilderness season I'm like you know just keep diligently seeking him and you know all the things that I kept repenting from that would sometimes would come back and they I'd pick them up again and then I'd, I'd repent and I'd turn from him you know and he's so faithful I mean he just showed to me all this stuff that you went through all the rejection that you might have felt you know I, at a point I felt set apart I felt alone when this power came on me and I was like Lord please don't I do not want to glorify myself with this power because it's all you like I I used to not be able to speak but a couple words and he is just filling me and the scripture John 7 37 38 has came came live to me you know the power of John or Acts 1 8 I mean the power of the Holy Spirit and giving me the power to witness like I don't even have to try anymore because he's so good and I felt it and I felt this love and I want others to have it I mean he's so good yeah, come on That's right. so good Lord you're so faithful father we love you you have not abandoned us Lord we love you God we can rejoice and be glad in you you are our strength hallelujah thank you Holy Spirit praise God we're good so listen if you're welcome to go home all right no one's making you stay But what I would ask you to do right now is check on the inside, those of you that are deciding to stay for the moment. Check on the inside. And maybe there's a tongue that the Lord has given you to speak out. Someone will have the interpretation. Maybe there's a, a word of prophecy or something the Lord, an encouragement that the Lord would have you say. Father, I invite you to just have your way right now in and through us. Lord, that you have complete reign, free reign, to do as pleases you. and That you release your gifts into your body, as you said in your word. And here we are, Lord. greatest miracles and signs and wonders aren't out there. They're in here. They're in our heart. When we make changes that please the Father, 
when we surrender areas in our life that we just want to harbor that's the greatest miracle that's the supernatural miracle that the father is looking for we're coming into a time of awe and wonder in the Lord the world's coming in a time of great fear but the father says I've not given you a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind you will have a spirit of awe and wonder as you see me move in the hearts of people even in your own heart but I'm going to present you and position you and give you a boldness and a clarity that you've never had before because you've been seeking me. And I've seen that and I'm going to honor that. And you're going to see more and more people coming into the kingdom of God and you're the one bringing them in. And it's going to bring an awe and wonder to you as I move in your heart and how that is influencing and drawing people into my kingdom because they see your love, they see your surrender, they see your humility. And it's a drawing to them because they don't see that in the world. All and wonder is coming. So position yourself. Stay in that place of praise and worship and in my word and praying and the singing in the spirit. That's my atmosphere and that's where I move. I move freely. It's not a hard place to be in. Oh, you'll just flow in my spirit. You'll show up in places that in front of people that you'll just be an on wonder at the simplicity of it. Yes, it's even here now. Will you believe me for it? Will you step out in it? Because that's my heart. And I see your heart. And I love what I see. So just flow. <laughs> and know that I'm with you. And I love you. And I'm working in you for you and through you.
Check on the inside. Is there an interpretation the Lord's giving you for that? It's not usual that He'll give you the whole thing. He'll just give you a couple phrases to start with. And then as you go, He'll give you more.
61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to, pro- to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of our God's vengeance, to, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty for ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. They will be called trees of righteousness, planted by the Lord to glorify Him. Thank you. So we just learned about the word fight, right? When you fight, sometimes you hit your stance and you roll with the punches and you're, you're going in and you're out. And I feel like God just wants us to look at the fact that sometimes if you look at too many punches, that's what you're going to expect because you're trying to guess where he's going. But if you try to guess where he's going, you might get blindsided. You might get hit on your left because you think he's going to swing on the right. And it's in that moment when you think that you are stuck and that you're in charge and this is what's going to happen and that you got it all figured out that all of a sudden that punch comes from the left and you get knocked down. He doesn't want you to stay down. He wants you to get back up and check with him and say, how did I miss that punch from the left? Where is it going to come next? Don't look at what you can see. Look at what he can see because he always knows what's next. And don't get stuck down on the ground if you get hit from the left. Always get back up and know that he is your strength. He'll pull you back up. Even if you get hit while you're down, he'll pull you back up. And that... When we're in a fight, it takes work. And he didn't say that our life would be easy. He said, count the cost. And so we sit here today, and I feel like he's asking us, what is the cost that we have counted? Are we still willing to pay that cost? Are we ready to pay more, to see more of what he has for us, to do more, to seek more? And that the more we do seek him, the more we do fight for him, the more he can use us, the more he can turn us into warriors, and then we can go out and we can make the difference that he has set for us. I believe there's a place of strength and unity that the Lord wants to take us to, an expansion. Um, if I were to say to you the phrase, been hurt by church, I think all of us here could raise our hand and say we've experienced it. I know I've experienced it where you stand or sit, and I've experienced it where I stand. But you know where else you experience that? You experience that in family. How many here could raise your hand and say your parents hurt you at one time or other? How many here could stand here and say, I've been offended at my sister or my brother. They irritated me. They did me wrong. In family. I know I can say that. But they're still my family. And I don't unhook. Because God put us together. And so what I'm feeling like the Holy Spirit is saying is, is He's put you in a place He's put you in a family, and that is the place of strength for you. And he'll reveal that to you as you surrender to him, surrender your way and how you think it should look. 
but there's a place of strength and growth and expansion in the family he's hooked you with. And in this next season, you're going to need to know who your family is in God. And in the same way, you don't unhook from your family in the natural, but you work through it and you forgive and you come back to that love and fellowship. You need to know who your family is, church. Thank you, Father, for bringing us up and bringing us out. Thank you for setting our feet on the solid ground and giving us your word that never will pass away. Thank you, Father, that you watch over that word to accomplish it and perform it in and through us. Thank you that you would allow us to take your name, to be your family, to call you Father. Thank you that you put us with such amazing people and family here on the earth. And Lord, we ask that you continue to expand us on the inside. Continue to grow us. Take us from faith to faith, glory to glory. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness. So, Father, these things that have been said, sung, received, we just seal these inside with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, cause them to, cause us to bring forth, to bring forth fruit, that we, we are pregnant with your word, pregnant with your spirit, Lord, that we would birth your plan and will here at Church of the Word International and in our communities and the places that we are coming from. Father, these five counties that we come from, we lift up the name of Jesus over these counties. Over Northumberland, over Berks County, over Lebanon County, over York County, over Lancaster County, over Chester County. Father, we declare the name of Jesus over these places. And Lord, I ask for an infusion of your spirit in the believers in these locations. Strengthen them. Give them eyes to see of your heart and your vision. Bring a boldness into the churches in these cities and towns in these counties. That your, your spirit of freedom would have free reign in every church. Revival and outpouring of awakening of coming into the kingdom. Lord, I ask, I ask you to grant repentance to those in the church that need to repent of things they've been walking in and allowing them to, to hinder them. Father, I, I thank you that you have given us the blood of Jesus that removes those things that you've freely made available for us. 
Lord, here we are. Send us. Here we are. Send, send me, Lord. Here I am. Send me, Lord. Send me. I feel like the Lord wants to give um, a word of encouragement, in a, specifically um, in the area of expectations. God has been dealing with this in me this week and really showing me how expectations, I know if you're married, you know that if you place expectations on your spouse and not on the Lord through your spouse, you're going to end up in trouble. And, um, and I just want to encourage us all. I, I felt like God had a word for me and I didn't really know or word for us through me. And I didn't know how to, what it was supposed to do, but God used several people who were obedient to come up and deliver a word to formulate it through to completion. You know, God, I think we would all agree that God is very much into details. And um, I think sometimes that we get caught up in an expectation of how it's supposed to look for God to use us, you know, through a tongue or, um, I don't know. There's just, I think we have, we, we have this expectation of what it needs to look like. And it's a self-imposed expectation instead of an expectation for God to just actually move through us and then for us to walk in the obedience. And so I just want to encourage you that God is very, very specific. He created you very, very unique with a special gift and ability that he wants and can only use through you. So I would just encourage you to take off the expectations of what that looks like for God to use you in your everyday life. We talked about Matthew 5, 14, and 16 tonight with the kids about how we are the light of the world. And my light is not my husband's light and my light is not my neighbor's light it is a unique light that god uses and chooses to shine through me that will specifically minister to specific people and we got to encourage the kids tonight that your light and the way that you minister and use that light is not going to look the same so I encourage you to just release the expectations that you've put on yourself or maybe even the expectation you've put on God and what you think it needs to look like and just walk fully in surrender and obedience when he moves on your spirit. And then the other thing we just sang, here I am, Lord, send me. We have expectations of what we think that needs to look like because we're looking to the left and to the right. And the word says not to look to the left and to the right. We're supposed to look to him and he will say where we are to be sent. So just because we are being sent as a church body does not mean that that is exactly what that looks like for you. So I want to encourage you to ask him, God, we know we're called to be sent. What does that look like for me? How do I get involved? So when we pray and we sing these words, we sing these songs, they're just not songs and words that we're frivolously throwing out there. God wants to know that we mean what we say. So let go of the expectation of what it looks like for God to send you. Maybe your sending is in your home and you're meant to minister to your family. Maybe you're sent to the workplace and you are meant to minister to your coworkers and your boss. Maybe your sending looks like going to a local mission or doing street evangelism in your local town or maybe it means going to Richmond or to Turkey or Africa. Let's place our expectation on God and expect him to move and to speak to us uniquely and specifically to each one of us.
grab the hand of someone next to you and let's agree in prayer. Father, here we are. We present ourselves to you to do your bidding, to do your will, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to look, Lord, like what we've imagined it or how we thought it would be, Father, but we're the sheep of your pastures and we submit fully to you. We're surrendered to you. To have your way, have your will in my life, direct me as you would have me to go. And I covenant with you, Father, Follow your lead to do as you tell me. Welcome to Church of the Word International here at Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So glad that you're all here tonight. It's great to be home and home. I said home, didn't I? This is home. It's family. It's home. At least for tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Wow. Feels so good to be with all of you. Well, last week we talked about Psalms 146 and how important it is to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and and it says uh, don't put your trust in princes or son of man in whom there's no help and happy is the person who trusts in the Lord well Psalms 147 talks about the majestic majesty of God and his splendor how he birthed everything in the whole universe And yet, of all the things that God created, you are his best creation. You are his unique treasure in earthen vessel. Of everything he created, you are his best. It starts off with, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it's pleasant and praise is beautiful. Praise is beautiful. It's beautiful to God. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted. I love that. God is a compassionate father. He is very mindful of what you're going through. And he he longs to heal you. He binds up your wounds. He counts the number of stars and calls them all by name. Every star you see up in the sky has a name. Isn't that incredible? And God's called them all by name, but he calls you by your name. That's more priceless than all the stars. Do you ever think about that? 
Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked down to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Boy, I'll tell you, a thankful heart will carry you far. No matter what you're going through, a thankful heart. Sing praises on the harp to our God who covers the heavens with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, who makes grass to grow on the mountains. He gives to the beast its food and to the young ravens that cry. He does not delight in the strength of horses. He takes no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, who reverence him, who honor him in those who hope in his mercy. Beautiful. Praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand together, family, and let's declare our worship and our gratitude and our praise to a good and faithful Father. Jesus, Father, your son Jesus, with his death on the cross and the resurrection, the power of his resurrection is the very center of our life. It's how we move and, move and how we breathe, how everything else extends out from that important thing in our life. Father, we're so grateful that you had a plan of redemption long before you ever, ever created anything. A plan of redemption for me and for every human being on the earth. You provided your one and only son, Jesus Christ. And he in his obedience and willingness went to the cross. He bled for us. He laid his life down for us. He died for us. He was buried and for three days hidden from the sight of his father in that regard but on that third day the power of the holy spirit came upon him and that power of resurrection raised him up in life and we benefit from that power the resurrection that life-giving life from the lord jesus christ father thank you so much born again filled with the spirit filled with the very nature, the fruit of your spirit. Father, we are so grateful tonight. We have so much to thank you for, so much to be grateful for. Father, I just thank you for this night. Our ears, our hearts are open to the spirit, the leading of the spirit tonight through the word of God. Father, we may have come in one way, but we believe we're going out another filled with your spirit, filled with your word, filled with change. Father, you take pleasure in our growth as you look at us and we continue to grow more and more into the image and likeness of your son, Jesus. And that's our desire. So have your way, Holy Spirit, in our hearts tonight. Let your love be our mark that all will know. 
Father, thank you so much for loving us. Loving us so much that we won't stay the same, but be changed. We give you all the glory and all the praise this evening. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Well, one way we love God vertically is how? By loving one another horizontally. So turn to one another. Take time. Hug. Kiss on the cheek. $20 in the pocket. Whatever it takes. Glory to God. all of your smiling faces tonight I counted a privilege to come and worship with you how about you you counted a privilege to come Amen. and see fellow believers and learn and grow in the word well if you're here for the very first time we want to welcome you if you're here uh, can we just see a raise of hands anyone that's their first time at Church of the Word International we'd like to acknowledge you give you a little hand clap we're not gonna make you do anything Nobody here. Okay. Well, if you're here for the 2000th time, we're also glad you're here. So, whoo. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to uh, prepare to return the tithe to the Lord this evening. So if you need a cash envelope for, if you need an envelope for your giving by cash, did I say that right? Because <laughs> when I say, do you, who wants a cash envelope? Well, everybody's hand's going up. I want an envelope of cash. <laughs> so I'm trying to retrain myself. Well, we're going to look into the Word. How many of you love the Word of God? It's so exciting to open it up, and it's alive, and it's powerful, and it's fresh for today. You know, if you look into where tithing began, it originated from a heart revelation of who God was, who God is. You know, tithing, that, the word tithe simply means a tenth. 10% of all your increase, that's what we're talking about when we say we return the tithe. We're returning 10% of our increase to the Lord. But we don't tithe because churches need money or ministries or people or, you know, need money. That's not why we tithe. We tithe out of a heart revelation of who God is to you personally. It's personal. And because of him... Because of who he is to us and we love him and want to honor him, out of that flows uh, the desire to tithe. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Bottom line is tithing is a revelation. And we talked about that a little bit last week about in the life of Abraham, how he got heart revelation there and he returned the tithe of all the, of the spoils of war that he had gathered there and returned the tithe to, to the Lord. So I want to look in Jacob, at the life of Jacob. Genesis chapter 28, you can turn there. When we tithe with this kind of a heart posture, it's to enter into covenant with the Lord. And I think you'll see that here in Jacob's life. So we know the story how Jacob cheated his twin brother Esau out of the birthright. And if you read that in a chapter, I believe it's in chapter 28, how Esau was so angry, so bitter at his brother for doing this. I mean, basically, he was just biding his time until Father Isaac dies. And, man, I'm going to kill him. 
He is going to get it. Well, daddy knows some things. Dads are smart like that. And he says to Jacob, you know, why don't you go get yourself a wife? You know, get out of town. Come on, boy. This is not going to be good for you. And so in verse 10, that's what Jacob does. He leaves Beersheba. He sets out for Haran. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Guess no, my pillows for him. Or maybe he just liked firm pillows. I don't know. I can't imagine sleeping on a stone. Anyways, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, which is top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil out on top of it. I just stopped there for a moment. You know, he could have woke up from that and said, huh, that was a really cool dream. Ha, whatever, it's just a dream. And nothing would have happened. In Genesis 35, verse 6, it says, it refers to this story, and it says that the Lord revealed himself to him, to Jacob there. So this was a moment. You know, God is a spirit, and we are spirits. And he's going to illuminate things to us, bring things to us, reveal things to us through our spirit. And he had an encounter with the Lord. And his first desire after that realization was to pour out an offering to the Lord. It just just goes together. So he called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house, provision and protection. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So you see here, Jacob has this encounter with the Lord. The Lord revealed himself to him. Who am I to you, Jacob? And Jacob gets an understanding and a revelation that God is his source. God is his provider. God is his help. You know, he is running. He's getting out of town. He's leaving his family's, his father's house. You know, he's, he's needing somebody bigger than himself to help him, right? And he recognizes that everything, every increase that he has comes from him. He says, of all that you give me, I will give a tenth. You see covenant language. It says, I make, Jacob made a vow. Say, Lord, if you'll be my God, lord it over me. Be my master. I need you. You're my deliverer. You're my helper. You're the blesser. And he has this heart revelation, just like Grandpa Abraham, to return the tithe. 
Do you see that? See, what about you? What about me? Who is God to me? It, it, don't, don't just tithe because, well, well, that's, that's kind of a Christian, on the Christian list to do. No. Who is God to you? Who is he to you? I'll never forget when I got heart revelation. We got heart revelation on tithing. You know, we've talked about it before from the front, how we've had, um, we came through a financial collapse in 2008. I mean, it was kind of a, a series of years there, but led up to that, but really bottomed out 2008, 2009. Um, prior to that, we did very well, but we didn't really tithe, you know. It was, it was, I grew up with the teaching on the tithe that we would get is, well, if, you know, if you've got extra, if you, you know, if you can afford to put something in the plate, it was that kind of a thing. I don't know how, how you were brought up, but that's kind of where, so we would put something in the plate, but we weren't tithing, okay? Well, now here we find ourselves in this place where it feels like there's a noose of poverty around my neck, our neck, like I don't know if I can keep on living. It costs too much to live. I don't think... I needed somebody bigger than me. We needed somebody who was able to deliver. And I remember when we were crying out to the Lord for, Lord, reveal yourself to us. We want truth. Reveal truth to us. And out of that heart's desire to walk in all that he has and and really just surrender our lives to him fully. In that we began to see the truth of the word in tithing and that it was a covenant between me and the Lord. Who are you to me? Do you believe I'm your provider? Well, what's that outward demonstration? Well, why does there have to be an outward demonstration, you might think? I don't know, but there's always that. Because when the, when the Lord reveals himself to you, when you have an encounter with the Lord, there's just that, it's like the DNA of God that just want, in you that wants to just give back. I've, I've seen it over and over. You have an encounter with the Lord, and there's a desire to give, whether it's an, an encouragement, whether it's wanting to bless somebody in some way, whether it's a financial thing, there's a desire to, I want to give. That's God. Well, when we got heart revelation on this, and we began to act on returning the tithe, and I don't care, we were in a place where, I don't know, $10 might have come in that week. And... uh can you, can you survive on $10 in a week for a family? Like, I mean, we, we were just so in over our head, you can't even imagine. And, but, I don't, but we'd return the tithe on that $10. It, it, whatever came in, the tithe got returned because our eye was on him. We wanted to honor him, and we were in um, covenant. And that is where it started turning around for us. It wasn't overnight. But the Lord brought us out because our eye was on him to provide. And he did miracle after miracle, I could stand here and tell you. And I know you've heard some of them. But I'm telling you, if you'll covenant, if you'll get clear in your heart of who God is to you personally, it'll clear up any hesitation, any, oh, the tithe. It'll just free you up a whole bunch. And you'll be glad to tithe because, we, because I get to have supernatural help. Because I'm not limited to me. I, I've got the greater one that said he'd be my deliverer. That he'd be my protector. That he would pour out the windows of heaven of blessing upon me. So, I believe this. So I preach it. Take a hold of your tithe and let's pray.
Father, we're so grateful to be here tonight. We're thankful for your loving kindness. And Lord, I am so thankful that you are the same God, that you do not change. And your heart to provide, your heart to bless, to protect and deliver is still the same today. So I thank you, Lord, for your promises. We thank you, Lord, that we're blessed, that the tither is blessed. I thank you that we're protected and we're delivered and we're blessed because you said so. And we give you all the praise for that and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets and the people will give to the Lord. Well, I forgot to welcome Evan and Becky's little baby here tonight. So can we give a hand clap to them? Such an exciting thing to become new parents. All right. Also in the back, we have um, our sign-up sheets for our new home group series. It's going to be on uh, John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan. If you've never read that book, well, it's going to be great. So it's a perfect season to be going through this right now. We'd like to see a raise of hands for anyone that is going to need a book. I know many of us probably have it or have read it, have access to it. If you're going to need a book, can you just put your hand up? We're going to... Yeah, like reach for the ceiling. Are you counting? Yes. Different versions? Mm. There, there are older ones, but that should be okay. It, it should be okay, whatever you have. I mean, there are, they did just come out, what did you say, the 20th anniversary edition? But I, I don't know that any major... In the bookstore, we have three or four different okay. uh, releases. So I'm sure... It should be close enough, no? Yeah. Yeah. So if you have an older edition, it should be okay. Anyways, we have the sign-up sheets in the back, so we'd appreciate you signing up again if you plan to take part of those. Youth and Young Adult Gathering is going to be next Sunday, February 26th at the Freedies House. I'm sure the youth are looking forward to that. And there is a team members department head meeting here, oh wait a minute, no not here at the church, uh, at the Rop Home. Yes, at the Rop Home. <laughs> good to read the bulletin you find out some things that could be happening at your house <laughs> all right well yes that's right you might ha see something for your house in the bulletin all right well we are going to turn our faith on to receive what the lord has for us tonight amen well good evening I want to, before we get into the teaching for this evening, I would like to bring an update to a few things that we are in the midst of and looking to accomplish. And um, let's start with Richmond. So on Tuesday night, we'll be going back down there again, and this will be our last Tuesday night Bible study in Richmond because we're moving to Sunday afternoons. We'll still be keeping that bi-weekly schedule, but we will be uh, meeting Sunday afternoons down there. So that is a change in, in our schedule, and um, we're really excited about what the Lord is doing down there. People are pregnant with 
anticipation and expectation. I keep getting these emails back from people that have been in the meetings saying, you know, I'm so impacted by the teachings. It's been so good for me. And so it's, and with an anticipation of what is to come. So I'll be honest, I don't know exactly what is to come. But I know that it's good if God's involved. And so that's where we're going to look and continue to press into. As well as, let's expect big things here at home. Big things here at home. You know, how many of you have been um, watching and observing what's happening at the uh, Asbury Revival down, um, well, wherever Asbury is? Kentucky? Okay. Maybe I need a geography lesson. And it's been interesting to, to read about and to see the different people that are there and and there's reports of, of it spreading to other campuses. And of course, that's what we want, right? We want a move of God to spread across the whole nation and not be at a single place where people have to go there. And I know that in, our, in this house here, because I've been praying about it and I've been saying, Lord, um, what is the key for us to be a center of outpouring and revival as well? And the Lord took me to a scripture that's real simple and it's real basic. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. And that's it. He is a rewarder of those who are drawing near to Him. And so if you and I want revival in our own personal life, if you and I want an awakening, a revival, a refreshing here corporately together, then that's what we must do. We must just draw near to Him, and He rewards those who draw near to Him. Are, are Are you hearing me? All right, so let's, uh, let's do that. Let's be in, make it be a personal matter as well as a corporate matter. I would also welcome you to come to the service before the meetings. Every Saturday night, the prayer room downstairs is open and available for those that would like to come and pray before the service. That's one of the ways to draw near and prepare your heart for what is to come that evening. And um, if that little prayer room is too small for all of those of you that are coming out. We'll just spill out into the main area of the basement. That's okay too. Or up here, right? Just make the whole evening be prayer, worship. That'd be okay too. All right, let's talk about our building search here and what we've been up to. As those of you that were with us last week, I talked about this, that we're needing to find another place to meet. And um, I did... I did some researching. Well, I did a lot of searching for a building. And I'm just going to be honest. I'm I'm done searching, and now we're going to find. Okay? (laughs) We're finding a place. And um, I spoke with many pastors and sent many emails and made many phone calls. And um, really, right now, we're not in a position. With the way the real estate market is, we really are not in a position to purchase. Um, so we are looking for a place that would rent or share like what we've been doing in this place. And um, of course, that is not, that's not putting out a miracle of God because we could purchase with something like that. Someone could give something to us, right? So that's not out of the, of the realm of possibility. So certainly ownership is a possibility, but that's, I'm, not, I'm not going to the realtor saying what's for sale. Right. If the Lord leads us into something like that, or if you find something like that, that's great. Um, I've I've put a, a number of people together and kind of tasked them with helping with the search. 
So if you're on that list, raise your hand real high if you're in that search group. Um, that way, those around you can look at them. If you find a place, go to one of those people that had their hands up and say, hey, I found this place. And, and um, we'll, we'll continue our finding a place to meet. All that to be said, I did some research. And I was looking at where are our people really coming from? You know, I know that we're kind of spread out across the entire county, but where are most of the people coming from? Because I know that any direction we move uh, geographically, it's going to be closer for some, it's going to be further away for others, any way, any way that we move. Some are going to like it and some won't. And so I was looking at this and I had the realization, I didn't know this if you would have asked me, there, we are bringing people into this house from six different counties. Six counties, Northumberland, Dauphin County, Lebanon County, York County, Lancaster County, and Chester County. I was like, wow. So then I got to looking at the furthest away spread from one person that comes to the meetings every week to the other person is 115 miles across the, the, the width of people that are coming. And so, Obviously, those that are driving quite a distance aren't coming because of location. There's something else that's pulling them here. A love for truth, a love for the Word. Maybe it's because the Lord told you this is where to be. Maybe you just accidentally came in and could never leave. I mean, it's not Hotel California. You, you are allowed to leave. And what's more, though, is what, here's where I want to encourage you. It seems anytime there's a change in a church, a significant change, maybe a meeting location or a pastor change, anything that's significant, usually you'll see some people don't go with it. Like if you move locations, you'll have a handful of people that didn't go with the move. And that's for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's because people realize that I'm supposed to be somewhere else and they just haven't pulled the trigger, so to speak, yet to make a move, and they decide to use that as a timing mechanism to make a move. Other times it's because people are disgruntled, and they're on the way out, and it's a good time to leave and disappear. But whatever the reasons are is really immaterial to you and I. What I would ask you to do is be checking in with the Lord. Where am I supposed to be? Where should I go to church? Which group of people are mine? And then it doesn't matter the distance, the location, the where they go, or, or how good-looking or well-talking their pastor is, right? I mean, this is proof of it, right? Because you guys come in and hear redneck every weekend. <laughs> but, you know, you can speak redneck as long as it's anointed redneck. <laughs> but you get my point. is check with the Lord and then go where He tells you to go. And for those of you that are, are driving quite the distance... Um, Surely if they can do it, those of us that are close and are inconvenienced by a 10-minute move, we can also make the adjustment as well. And I'll say this as, as well because we're on the subject. I do not, anytime a guest comes in or um, someone that, you know, maybe they're, they've been here a couple times before, I never just assume that well, they belong in this house. I mean, everyone's welcome. But there's a place that the Lord wants you to be. And I don't just assume that, well, the whole county should be in my church. No. I should be in the house that the Lord has put me. There's, the Lord called me to this house. 
right? Well, it's the exact same way for you. It wouldn't do for me to be in a house that I wasn't called to, and it wouldn't do for you to be in a house that you weren't called to. And so the Lord has called you to a pastor and has called you to a group and called you to a place. And so check with him and then go be in that place. Pay the price, whatever it is, and be in that place. And if it's not in this house, we'll help you find the place to be. Does that sound fair? All right. 